As you know, um, two weeks ago, we started a series called Holy Vocabulary. And we described God. How many of you remember those? Anyone, anyone remember that? Who, who was there? Who remember that? What were the three words that we used to describe God? I know there are many words we use to describe God. What three did we use that night? Does anyone remember? Who was here two weeks ago? All right, so what were the three words? Holy, love, and father. Those are the three words that we use, and we just talked a little bit about how God is just, you know, we can't describe him, but those are just a couple of the words. And this, tonight we want to look at humanity. We want to look at us. And I think that last week or two weeks ago when we looked at it, we had to truly describe God because we need to see how great and awesome God is. But this week we're going to look at us as humans and realize just how wicked we are and how in need of a Savior we are. Because for me and you, we sometimes think we're important. You know, we think we're, we're prominent people. We think we are so... Sometimes we think that, you know what, no one can touch us because we're just that great and awesome. Sometimes we want to set up ourselves as we are God. You know, we think we're better than everybody else. But we know in Jeremiah that the um, prophet Jeremiah talked about how our heart is desperately wicked. We desire nothing to do with God. And tonight we want to start off with a, a particular passage that shows, that, first of all, the first word we look at to describe it is this, that we are sinners and we are depraved. Now, anyone know what does depraved mean? Because that might be a word that y'all, who does not know what depraved means? Everyone knows what depraved is. So what does depraved mean? We are corrupt. We are wicked. We are, we can't do anything on our own. This is what it said in, in Romans chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, you can look there, but it's also on the screen. But it says, what then, starting at verse 9, it says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? And this is what the, the let me just get the whole, you know, context here just so you can understand. Here it is, the Jews and Gentiles are arguing. Because the Jews thought they were better than the Gentiles. But here it is, Paul, the Apostle Paul is going to show that, look, it don't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. We're just all wicked. We're all no good. And it starts off in, 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 again in verse 9. It says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. And verse 10 sums it right up. As it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not one. So sometimes when we find people and we see people who say, I'm a righteous person. I go to church. You know, I'm a great person. I'm a good person. You know, I, I have it all together. This shows us right here that, guess what? There is none that are good, none that are righteous. No, not one. Sometimes we, we look at people and we, sometimes we think ourselves that we are this great person that, you know what? I'm the thing. I'm it. You know, I'm the person who, you know, you know we just, I, people just love me. I'm the popular person. You know, it's all about me. But we see it so clearly that there's none righteous. And it goes on to verse 11, and it just shows us how insignificant we are. It says, no one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So when me and you think that we're doing good deeds for God, we think that we're doing all these things, it's only, as we're going to look later, it's a, apart from God's grace, we are absolutely nothing. Only thing me and you desire as, as human beings before we come to know Christ is sin. It's things not of God. That's what we desire. It said it very clearly. No one seeks after God. 
There is no one in this room that could honestly say, you know what? I seek after God, apart from God's grace. Because why? We are, as Jeremiah said, desperately wicked. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is explaining us as human beings before we come to know Christ. This is us. Every one of us. Every one of us is like this. Apart from the grace of God. It goes on in verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law said, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law there comes knowledge of sin. What it's saying is that this, look, we cannot earn our salvation. We cannot do these things to say, I'm a good person. I've done this. You know what? I helped the old lady cross the street. You know, I go help at this um, kid's home. I do all these things. I come to church. In God's eyes, if we don't have a relationship with Christ, they mean absolutely nothing. We can't earn salvation. We can't do anything to earn this gift that God has given us. But now, and this is a very important word in Scripture, when you see the word but, and those who were here on Sunday, you heard Vasily talk about it, but when you see the word but, you've got to really listen. Because it's going to show you the contrast. It's going to show you that, look, you have to listen to this. It says, but now the righteousness of God that has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. So he's trying to say, look, Jew, Gentile, does not matter. Because this is what a key right here, Romans 3, 23, and we could all say this verse together, say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, none of us in this room could honestly say that we were not born into sin. We all are born. As soon as you come out of the womb, you are born in sin. You know, and I, I notice this, and if you all have a baby sister or any family member, you know, I noticed this so much with my daughter when she was a little baby. I didn't have to teach her to sin or to do wrong. Didn't have to do it. You know one word you never to teach a baby is no. That's like the first word they learn. Not mommy or daddy, no. You know, why? Why do they learn that word first? Because you know why? We so many times say, no, don't do this. No, don't do that. No, don't do this. That's, what, that's why, because we are born into sin. There's no one that is, can say that oh, I'm a good person. I don't need God. I don't need a relationship with God. Because why? We have all sinned. And I like how, I think the New Living Translation puts for all of sin and fall short of God's standard. You know, God's standard is up here. We are down here. And our standards, whether we want to believe it or not, we compromise so much in our standard. So we see here, as we look at this first part, Sinners. We in this room, as we think of human beings, we are all sinners. We have all sinned. So because of that, we are born to sin. And Romans 6 again tells us about us being born of Adam, of Adam's sin. Yeah. The second we're going to look at is loss. 
we are all lost. And let me just get the context of this verse because we only took one verse from the whole chapter. But this is about Zacchaeus. And we know about the story about Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus is what? A wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree and see, and we all know the song. But do we realize what Zacchaeus really was? What was Zacchaeus? He was a what? Tax collector. Chris used to be a tax collector for all those who didn't know. And the customs of the Bahamas. He used to collect the taxes, you know. Huh? You still collect taxes. See, he's still a tax collector. People don't like Chris. <laughs> People don't like Chris. People don't like custom officers. You know, we just recently um, came back from away, and we all know what it is when we come into the customs place, right? We look for specific people when we come through customs that we don't want to go to and those we want to go to. And I ain't saying nothing. Y'all could just read between the lines, right? But anyway, we look for someone who's very nice. We look at we look for someone with a smile on their face and, you know, let me ask a question. How many of y'all want to go see a customs officer who is frowning? They don't look like they had a bad day. No one, right? No one wants to do that because you know why? You know what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, remember this, as you think of customs, we should have no problem because you should be writing down everything you bought anyway, so you should have no problem. But we know how that goes in our Bohemian culture. We don't write down everything we bought. So we're scared that they can see that little thing we try to stash underneath the clothes and, you know, anyway. But, the, but Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And so everyone in the community did not like Zacchaeus. He was, he was a hated man. No one liked him. But what did Jesus do? He went to his house for tea, right? That's the song, right? But what did, what did, out of all the people, who did Jesus point out? Zacchaeus. He pointed out Zacchaeus out of everyone who was there, the sinner, the one that was least of who they thought he came to see. Because for me and you, we would think that he would come see the prominent people, the king, the queen, whoever it is. But he came to see Zacchaeus, a man that was lost. And that's why in this context it said Luke chapter 19 and 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to save us who are lost, those who don't know Christ. And you know what? That's all of us in this room before we came to know Christ. Because we are born again into sin, so we are all lost. How many of you have ever been lost before? You've ever been lost? Um, you know, usually whenever, and this was a great time for anyone who went on a trip, because usually every time I ever go to the States, I get lost on a road. And if you, you know, when you drive in the States, if you miss one exit, it ain't, and it ain't like you could just go to the next exit. Sometimes you gotta go all the way down, come back around, and, you know, that's how it goes. And sometimes, especially in the United States on your freeway, you look on the right and you can see right where you want to go. You see the mall or whatever you want to go to, but guess what? It ain't right there where you think it is. You take the wrong exit, you're going all around, and you realize, you know what? We're in the wrong spot. We lost. And if you, you know, most men, most men, the last thing we want to do is ask for what? Directions. Now, for those who know, I have Julie. And Julie is my GPS, and I, you know, I, I really love Julie. You know why? Because unlike, you know, if you have a front seat driver who's going to be yelling and rowing at you because you're lost, Julie is very nice and says, when possible, make a U-turn. 
when you know, like Julie's just so nice and she had that nice voice and it's like, man, I love Julie. It's not like, we Ross. We 20 minutes, you know, we, we have 20 minutes, we waste, you know, and that just, that's not Julie. Julie is just, when possible, make a U-turn. I just love it, you know, it's just so, and you know, those who went on the trip with me, they was annoyed at Julie, but I, I just, her voice is just so soothing to me, you know. In point five miles, in point five miles, exit right. Yeah, see, Thompson ain't, you know, she knows, she ain't, you know. But, but, like I said, when you are lost, what happens? You need to be found. You need to reckon, you need to find the right way. And that's what it's saying here. Jesus, the Son of Man, came to seek and save the lost. And because me and you are lost, we have to be found. Because we have sinned, that makes us lost. That makes us in trouble. Which brings us to the last word we want to look at tonight. And this is the most probably valuable word as we could think of humanity, of what we need. And that is, if you're lost, you need to be found, which means you need to be what? Saved. You know, we have to be saved because we are lost. And Ephesians 2, 1 to 5 says that, and you were dead. And also as we sang a song, we sang a song talking about coming back to life. We are all dead. No matter how mean you look at it, again, we go back to the sin. We and you are dead in our sin. You are dead in trespassing and sin, in which you once lost, following the cause of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Notice the key word here, all. We all once lived this way. There was no one that never was apart from this. All means all. But we need to recognize what this is saying. This here represents us before we came to know Christ. And it goes on in verse 3, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And we got that whole thing again. But God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love of which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, you have been saved. We see the contrast. We see once we lived this way, we once, we once lived in the passions of our desire of the world. As believers, we are to be different. As believers, we are saved, so that means that we are not supposed to still be living in the passions of our desires, our flesh. Again, apart from Christ, we are absolutely nothing. We are lost. You're lost. We can't do anything. We are insignificant. We only thing we're going to follow is the course of this world. We're only going to follow those things of the world. But because God loved us so much, He sent His Son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with Him. And because of what He did on the cross, He did it all for us. And you know what? I love Romans chapter 5 when it says, But God commanded His love to warn us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He never said, Get right with me and then come to me. No. He said what? I loved you when you were still sinners. In that same chapter it says, I loved you while you were my enemies. How many of you are willing to die for an enemy? I'm not. Oh, you are? Good, good for you. I, I'm glad. 
But you know what? It's hard for someone to love, die for our loved ones. But to say you're going to die for enemy, that's what Christ did for me and you. To save us. He initiated the relationship. He did it all. All He asked for me and you to do is to surrender our lives, to live for Him, to stop, to put the old life behind us. And it's because of His grace. It's nothing that me and you did. You see, me and you can't earn this relationship. We can't do good things to think that we can earn it. And I know that some religions teach us, oh, you do this thing, you're good. But let me tell you something. You either alive or dead, saved or lost. There ain't no in between. You can't say you're half dead or half alive. It don't work. You're either dead or alive. You got to save or you're lost. It goes on in verse, uh, verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And this is a verse that we all know. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Me and you never did anything. It's only from His grace. It's only because of what Christ did. Again, it says, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But yet, but yet, we have so many believers today, human beings like us, who want to boast. Like, I did something. You know, like we actually did something. We didn't do nothing. God allows us to be a part of His family. He allows us to call Him Father. Me and you did nothing. Me and you actually are nothing in the whole realm of life apart from His grace. How many know what grace means? I'm going to use the Awana definition for grace. It said the free gift that we don't deserve. Grace is something that we don't, none of us in this room deserve. Did y'all get that? We don't deserve this grace. So why do me and you think that we are so important? Why do we try to live our lives in the world and also for Christ? Like we try to be in between. You're either with God or against God. There's no in-between. God said, I mean, Paul said in this particular passage, these were where you once walked. He didn't say continue to walk in the passions of the world. He said you once walked in this. But God, when you came to know Christ, you ought to be different. Not as a result of works that no one may boast. And this is a very important verse about verse 10. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God knows everything about us. But me and you have to make, we make choices every day of our lives. And the choice for all of us is this. Are we going to pursue God? Or are we going to pursue the world? Are we... Do we want to be saved or do we want to be lost? 
And I know, I know the easy question and, and what people like to do is say, all right, who in this room doesn't want to go to hell? And I think every hand in this room would go up. But let me just tell you something. Jesus does not, God does not just save us from hell. He saves us from spending eternity away from Him forever. That's bigger than anything else, I think. We could talk about hell and the torture you're going to go through, but guess what? If you don't know Christ as Savior, or for us who do know Christ as Savior, we are going to spend eternity with Him forever. And we're going to worship God like never before. I think that's going to be the greatest party ever. Because you know what? When we come to worship now, we're still sinning. We still have sin in our lives. We still are human beings. But when we get the new body and the new heart and we are totally, totally away from this, we are truly going to worship God for the very first time. You know what? We don't look at it like that. Because you know why all we ever hear in our lives? Oh, you don't want to go to hell. You don't want to burn. Yeah, no one wants to go to hell. No one wants to burn. But guess what? That's far from what reality is. You could be separated from God forever. That's the punishment. You could be lost forever. And I challenge you tonight as we... As we just tonight just took a little bit of time to look at us as humans. If you never place faith in Christ, come and talk to one of the leaders. Come and talk to us so we could tell you more about this relationship with Christ. Because guess what? You either lost or you saved. There's no getting around it. There's no pretty way of putting it. So I challenge you, and let me just say this. Coming to church all your life don't mean you saved. The only thing that made you saved is a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. You can't earn it. So let's pray. And, you know, we don't have small groups. We can go straight into our game time. And he's laughing. So we're going to pray. But I challenge you, again, if you need to talk to one of the leaders, forget about games. Pull us aside. And let me just tell you this. Don't worry if people are looking at you. Because guess what? It don't really matter if they look at you. The only thing that matters is what God is looking at you and saying about you. And I challenge you, and I'm going to plug this in right now. Come on Sunday morning for our youth service as we continue in some aspects to talk about the, the, the title message is to be, are you ready to burn for Christ? Are you ready to burn for Christ? And so come out. And I know that sounds like, wow, well, what are you talking about? But just come out. Find out what it's all about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for tonight. Thank you for all your love. Thank you for your grace. Father, I pray tonight that if there's one here that doesn't know you, Father, they would pull a leader aside, even if they're struggling with something in life. Father, they may know you as Savior, but they just need to talk to someone. And Father, I pray that they would feel open to come to one of us as leaders, Father, and that you would just give us as leaders the words to say and just to comfort them and to just allow your spirit to work. Father, I know tonight that is nothing that I had to say, but it's all because of you and your glory. Father, as we just read in, in Ephesians, 
Father, I have nothing to boast about, but I can boast in You in my relationship with You. I pray that You continue to be with the rest of our night, that, Father, You keep us safe, and I just thank You for all You've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if you need to talk to one of us, pull us aside now. Don't worry about games. Games will always be there. But this is the greatest decision that you can make in life.